Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today for the Thursday broadcast. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the doctrine of suffering. You know, one of the reasons I became a Christian is because the Christian doctrine of suffering, it explains why we suffer. You know, God allows pain in our lives. Part of it is a consequence of our sin. But sometimes he allows pain in our lives to grab our attention so that we can develop and become more like him. I used to think that all pain was bad pain, but if your body is experiencing pain, uh, sometimes it's a wake-up call saying, hey, there's something wrong that must be dealt with. For example, when you get a fever, that fever is an indication that there's an infection that needs to be addressed. So as we look at suffering, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter. We don't have time to look at the whole book today and tomorrow, but we're going to pick up some select passages that remind us of what suffering is all about. So let's begin with the first point. When suffering comes, let's not be surprised by it. It's going to happen, right? So you should expect it. So let me read the text before I go further into the explanation of this doctrine of suffering. So 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. So since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. So here Peter's reminding us to expect the suffering to come because Jesus suffered, we also will suffer. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have been finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So here we get a hint, right? Part of the suffering we go through is to get us back on the right track. As we go through suffering, it divorces us from things that we should not be following with. Peter says here, we are finished with that sin. We're not going to spend the rest of our lives chasing that our own desires, but we're going to be anxious to do the will of God. Verse number three, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and their drunkenness, and their wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of the wild and destructive things that they do. You may have noticed this when you became a follower of Christ. You didn't really give up on your friends. Your friends gave up on you because you no longer would plunge into the wild lifestyle in which they were living. So they slander you, is what Peter says. I guess you could say, if you're not going to join us, then we're going to criticize you. We're going to slander you. But Peter says, verse number five, remember that they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So here we have a tremendous insight as to what we should remember when we're going through difficult times. We will face the judgment, both living and dead. So there's some consequences for living in sin in the present, but there's also consequences in the future. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead, so that although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Verse number seven, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and be disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, 
for love covers a multitude of sins. I love that phrase. Love covers a multitude of sins. When you deeply love somebody, you don't exploit them in their times of sin. You encourage them to get right in their times of sin. Cheerfully, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So here Peter is telling us, when you're going through a hard time, or somebody you know is going through a hard time, reach out and be a blessing to them. Verse number 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Has it ever occurred to you that God has gifted you in such a way that you can be a blessing to somebody who is going through a hard time? You think about the frustrations that we have in life. Uh, just the other day, I got a call from a member. Hey, my, my hot water heater is leaking. Uh, do you know somebody who can help me? I said, I certainly do. We have a plumber in the church that is very talented, made a quick call, took care of that issue. Problem solved, right? When you think about all that we have, God has gifted us in such a way so that our gifts glorify God and are a blessing to others. And Peter gets real specific. He says, use these gifts to serve others well. When somebody's in their time of pain, God will use you to serve that person well. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Uh, Do you have that ability to communicate God's word? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. And then he says, do you have the gift of helping? Of helping others? Then help others. Do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever. And now we're going to get into the subject of suffering. Dear friends, verse number 12, this is where really we want to pick it up right here. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial that you're going through, as if something strange has happened to you. And as I think about this verse, oftentimes uh, when we're facing trials, we're like, why in the world is this happening to me? Well, Peter wants us to remember that this is not a strange thing that is happening. He says, instead, be glad, for these trials make you partakers with Christ in his suffering. So when we're going through times of suffering, it gives us this wonderful opportunity to identify with the sufferings of Christ. He continues, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. So one of the earmarks that you're a follower of Christ is that you will face times of suffering. These times of suffering are designed so that you can identify with what Christ went through, but Peter also implies here that we will enjoy the glory that Christ enjoyed as well. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, verse number 14, you will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. And I love that phrase. God's Spirit is resting upon me. And one of the ways I know that it is resting upon me is because I am being insulted because I bear the name of Christ. Now, let's clarify this. Not all insults are a result of bearing the image of Christ. But when we are insulted for the sake of Christ, it says that God in His glorious Spirit rest upon us. He says, if you suffer, however, you must not be suffering for a murderer 
for stealing, for making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. There are some consequences for doing wrong, and those consequences are that the pain that we go through, the punishment that we go through. Now, I've discovered something. When I am persecuted for righteousness' sake, when I am falsely accused, I get an extra measure of the glorious Spirit of God resting upon me. I don't get that when I'm suffering when I deserve to get suffering. I only get that when I'm being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus himself says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So there's a blessing involved in being persecuted when we're doing the right thing. Verse number 16, but it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for that privilege of being called by his name. So there's no shame in our game if we're being persecuted because we are followers of Christ. He says, praise God for that privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits for those who never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to God, who created you, for He will never fail you. Wow, we have learned so much about suffering in that short passage. But first of all, let's not be surprised by it. Let's be surprised if it doesn't happen, right? Let's not be surprised if it happens, because it's part of God working out His sanctification through our times of suffering. You see, holiness through suffering. So Peter's thinking is this, since Jesus suffered, He was righteous, He suffered for the unrighteous. We should also expect suffering as we strive to become more holy. So Peter is saying, prepare yourself for it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be taken off guard by it. Most people love good surprises, but we really hate bad surprises. So I want you to anticipate that trouble is going to come your way if you live a righteous life. Now, I found that those who have most suffered for their faith, are surprised by the suffering. What really surprises them is that God is with them, and they receive an extra measure of God's grace in that time of suffering. I have a missionary friend uh, that I won't mention his name because he is serving in a country where Christianity is illegal. And one of the concerns that he had is that if he was caught sharing the gospel, would he be able to have the strength not to renounce his faith in Christ? He said, I don't know if I have the ability to do that. I mean, after all, how are you going to really know if you're not going to renounce Christ until you're in that position? I mean, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to live for Christ no matter what happens, even if it costs my life, until you're in that situation, right? And he was always a little fearful that he might renounce the name of Christ. Well, they had brought up some trumped-up charges against him, and they incarcerated him. And he's in a small 13-by-13 cell 
with about 30 other men. I mean, they are like shoulder to shoulder, crammed in his little cell. At night, you didn't even have room to roll over. You were sleeping on a concrete floor. And if one person rolled over, everybody had to roll over. I mean, a deplorable place to be spending time for something that really wasn't a major crime, but they suspected that he was up to something. And so they had a trumped-up charge. They incarcerated him. And as he was brought before the magistrate, the magistrate says, we will be happy to uh, let you go if you renounce the fact that you are a follower of Christ. And he refused to renounce his faith. And the amazing thing about it is, as he gives this report, he says, I had this tremendous peace over me. And I had this unbelievable courage. And I don't know where that courage came from. He says, I'm not by nature one of these people that likes to stand up and take a stand on things. He says, but I had this supernatural power, and it was almost like I was immune to all the threats and all the pressure and all the anxiety. I felt tremendously at peace. Well, they were so moved by his confidence that they released him. And as they were releasing him, they took him to a spot, and I won't give too many indications as to where they took him because you might be able to figure out what I'm talking about, but they took him to a location And they said there's only been one other person that they know of that refused to renounce the name of Christ. And his name was Billy Graham. And this individual, when he was visiting this country named Billy Graham, refused to renounce the name of Christ. And so they built kind of like a church building in his honor because he refused to renounce the name of Christ. So when pressure comes, Let's not be surprised by it. Let's allow that suffering to come to allow us to be more conformed to the will of God. When I think about astonishment, right? I love the book of Galatians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And the reason I like the book of Galatians is because Paul says, you know, I'm really astonished at something. Now, It's amazing when you think about when Paul says he's astonished about it. He says, I'm not astonished that you have this capacity to receive God's grace. That doesn't astonish me because he was a recipient of God's grace. What surprised Paul? And I got to tell you, it surprises me too, that people can claim to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they can be so quickly deterred and they can so quickly desert the name of Christ. This is what Paul says to the Galatian believers in Galatians 1.6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul is reminding the Galatian believers that we have been given a wonderful gift. We shouldn't be surprised that we're going to face times of suffering. We should be greatly surprised that we would abandon the faith that we have in Christ after all that Christ has done for us. I guess it would be like a parent who uh, invests his life in his children, gives sacrificially to his children, providing housing and protection and, and providing a good education, and then that child becomes an adult and abandons his parents, turns his back on his parents, the ones who have brought him or her into life and and all of a sudden abandon them. You know, we see a lot of that happening today. Even in my own family, 
I see members of my family who have abandoned mom and dad, who have forsaken their mom and dad. And I'm not even sure why. There seems like there's no logical reason why. They get turned sideways on something. Maybe they've been infiltrated with some false doctrine. And as a result, they have abandoned their family. Paul says, when we come to trials, let's not be surprised by it. Allow that suffering to make you conform to the image and the will of God. Regardless of why you are suffering, turn it into an opportunity to become more like Christ. So here's my question. Are you becoming more like Christ through your times of suffering? Here's our second point. Let's not be scared of the suffering that's going to come, but let's be secure through it. Living for God, not being afraid, right? Did you know that fear always leads to bad decisions? Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verses 3 and 4. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do. Peter says, listen, guys, you spent enough time living in debauchery, living in lust, living in drunkenness, orgies and carousing and in that detestable idolatry. He says, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and so they heap abuse on you. So Peter is learning a lesson here on security in Christ. No matter what they try to do to draw me back to that lifestyle, I am not scared. I am secure because I am secure in Christ. In Matthew chapter 14, maybe this is where Peter Learn to have his security in Christ, right? You remember when Peter had gone down and they were out on a boat and he walked on the water to Jesus? You remember that's in Matthew chapter 14? And then Peter, as he's walking on the water, gets his eyes off Christ and starts looking at the storm. He starts becoming fearful. Why wasn't he fearful when he first started walking on the water? Because he was focused on Christ. I mean, he was doing something miraculous as he has his focus on Christ. He's in the middle of the storm, but he doesn't seem to be bothered by the storm until he takes his eyes off Christ and then sees the storm. It says, but when he saw the wind, it was boisterous. He was afraid and he began to sink. You see, he got his eyes off of Christ. He was being led by fear and he made a bad decision. I'm going to stop looking at Christ and I'm going to start looking at the storm. But he had enough sense, thank the Lord, that he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand and he catches him and he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, let me ask you a question. What fear are you trying to overcome through your suffering? What are the ways that we know that we're doing the right thing? is by the reaction of those who live reckless and wild lives. We learn that those who live contrary to Christ and to the Word are not just satisfied to live recklessly. They heap abuse on those who do not share their values. There is a huge double standard. We know this is true, but we will not 
let this scare us. Our security comes not from being suffering free, but being sin free through forgiveness. You know, many people have this fear of speaking in front of other people. And I had that fear. It came from really my insecurity. Uh, I wanted to be a people pleaser. And, uh, and so you go from people pleaser to people hater, right? I don't care what anybody else says. Well, when I stopped trying to gain the approval of man, and Paul says this, I'm not trying to gain and win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I couldn't please Christ as my servant. So I overcame my fear of speaking by realizing I'm speaking to an audience of one. I'm not trying to please those who are listening to me. I am trying to please Christ. In life, you really only have to please one person, and that is your Creator. You only have to please the Lord. The one who made you has a purpose for your life. Now, that really simplifies life enormously, doesn't it? I only need to please one person. I only need God's approval. Jesus said it like this in John 5.30. I don't try to please myself, but I try to please the one who sent me. He says, I'm living for an audience of one. You may have never realized this, but people-pleasing is a form of idolatry. The first commandment in the Ten Commandments is, don't have any other gods before me. Anything you put before God becomes a small-letter-G God. So a boat could be a God. A career could be a God. A girlfriend, a spouse could be a God. Golf could be a God. Anything that becomes number one in your life that isn't God becomes your God. And then the second commandment, don't make any idols. Now, anything that replaces God in your life is an idol. Success can be an idol. Money can be an idol. Sex can be an idol. A relationship can be an idol. If that relationship to your girlfriend, to your wife, to your boss, or to your friend is more important than God, that is your idol. So we've learned a lot, haven't we? We've learned today that I should not be surprised by suffering. If I'm living a righteous life, I will encounter times of suffering. So let's allow this suffering to be used to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, make us holy through our suffering. We've learned that suffering is something that shouldn't make us afraid. We should be scared of it. We should be secured through it. We're living for God. We're living for an audience of one. And then number three, let's not be suppressed by the suffering, but let it settle us, realizing that God is the ultimate judge. For those of you who have listened to me for a while, you know that I have a, a son that has autism. And for eight years, he had vicious meltdowns. I'm happy to report that it has now been one year since he's had an episode. But for eight years, he had a meltdown. And these meltdowns were, um, were unexpected. We couldn't really predict them. And uh, we didn't even know what would, uh, would be the, uh, the reason for the meltdown. But after he went through this episode, 
There was also this time that he was calm and he was settled. In 1 Peter 4, it says, But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but living according to God in regard to the spirit. So here's the question. How is your faith more settled through times of suffering? I learned to have a tremendous amount of peace when my son was having the meltdown. It wasn't a peace that I could generate myself. It was a peace that was given to me. It wasn't based on the calmness of the situation. It was a peace that the world could not give. You can have that same peace if you have the faith to believe that God is going to bring you through that time of suffering. So join me tomorrow as we continue on this study of understanding why we have times of suffering, understanding the doctrine of suffering. So Lord, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for teaching us some new truth about this doctrine of suffering. May we live above our circumstances, realizing that you are the God that's going to carry us through even the most difficult times in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.